Love Talk Radio. For those listeners who are listening out there in what we call radio land, we tell our stories our way. We're not like mainstream media. We just kind of like we jump in here and we have uh, various discussions and topics. I got about 14 shows over here. So you can follow us on KBOB899.com, which is our uh, website. Ooh, KBOB8989.9 FM. That's how. That's our radio station here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or you can go to YouTube. You can just find us. So there's no excuses. So today's show, hey, we got a great show going on. We got, oh, man, this lady right here that I'm about to bring on, she's awesome, and she has a lot of cultural history and a lot of black history as well in her. Michelle Brown Burdick Burdick is in the house, and we're going to be talking to her from the Greenwood Cultural Center. So Tell your family members, tell a friend, you can dial 646-716-5525. And don't forget to press that one button if you'd like to talk with Michelle, because she's in the house, you guys. So we want you to um, go ahead and make sure she's uh, comfortable enough to talk to you. <laughs> we want to make that make that happen for sure. So Michelle Brown's in the house. And... Um, Keep in mind that uh, here we're taking donations over here at KBOB 89.9. Uh, we're doing some cash app stuff, eating media services, some PayPal stuff. And then people, you you know, you can drop by here. It's been people dropping by the studio, giving us donations for the Juice Radio Show. And because we're trying to send them to New York and we're trying to purchase a van, which we don't have any transportation, a radio station without any transportation. So we're just trying to build a brand. And uh, if you can find it in your heart to make a small donation, we're asking everybody just $5. That's all. $5, that ain't too much of nothing. You know, people spend that going up the quick trip, you know, just on some junk food or something like that. So we want you to do that. And we also... I want you to participate in some of the functions that we have because over here we're more than just a radio station. You know, we uh, do festivals. We do community trash pickups. We give away backpacks to children, pass out turkeys during holiday season, and we raise money for loved ones who can't bury their loved ones. You know, so 
We do a whole variety of different things over here at uh, KBOB 89.9 FM, you know, so we want you, we need your support. Uh, let's see what we got going on. Oh, 31st, Juice Radio Show versus the better team, the exercise better team, Bob Caddy and his crew, volleyball game, y'all. Right across the street from uh, here where we had the festival, they're going to be playing volleyball over there, and uh, it should be fun. You know, we're going to try to have some fun things in the community. We're going to do it in the morning time now when it's a little bit cooler than than it is like right now because it's burning up. It feels like it's about 100 degrees outside. And I know the index is saying something as well. So, you know, it's just crazy. It's just real crazy. So I I just want you guys to, uh, you know, uh uh-oh, I did. I made a boo-boo. Let me see here. So we want you to stick around, and we're going to be right back. So we want you to stick around, and we'll be right back. Okay. Uh, what you been up to? Well, working, working nonstop. We've seen more activity in the Greenwood District over the past few months than I think we have in the past few years. People are con- continually visiting the uh, Greenwood District, um, traveling from around the country to come and learn about this history. And so we're still busy every day. So, so do you have, you have a lot of people still coming through? We still have a lot traffic, of people coming through, a lot of traffic every day, every absolutely. Day. Wow, wow. So you guys are busy, and um, I know, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Centennial. Mm-hmm. I know you had traffic down there then. Yeah. Yeah. And so Sun I, up to sundown. Were you able to handle it, or was it just an over-influx of just traffic to where everybody didn't get a chance to you know, partake in some of the information? We were absolutely overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. And we, you know, we have a short staff there. But the great thing is that there are so many people that are helping to tell the story, that are now um, telling this history. And so there were a lot of people in the Greenwood District that were there. Um, as you know, we house the uh, Tiffany Crutcher, um, the Terrence Crutcher Foundation. Right. And so Tiffany Crutcher and her crew were there. Um, and there were just a lot of people so you on had a board. Lot of, a lot of help. A lot of help mm-hmm. um, just in the Greenwood District as a whole. Um, people with events and programs and forums and a ton of activities taking place, um, but a lot of people available to help tell the story. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing, which is a Absolutely. story to be told. Yes. Now, uh, how long has the Cultural Center been down there? So we were incorporated in 1991, and we actually opened the um, – facility, the Renaissance Hall, in 95. Okay. So they had their re-grant opening in 95. And then um, I came on board in 96. Okay. And I understand that it was uh, late Maxine Horner and Don Ross uh, who who got funding for the Cultural Center, right? Absolutely. Back in those times right there. 
back in the day when people weren't ready to have a conversation about the history, um, the city of Tulsa as a whole, the state of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. when we weren't welcomed in um, to spaces to share this history. Um, I remember being at the state capitol with Don Ross, uh, state representative Don Ross on, on a number of occasions when would avoid him. They didn't want to have these conversations. They were angry with him for bringing national attention to this history. Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was um, not only Don Ross and um, Senator Maxine Horner, but people like Mabel B. Little and Opal Dargan, some of the individuals that I am not familiar with, that I didn't get the opportunity to get to know. Opal Dargan worked for nearly 20 years to help build the Greenville Cultural Center, and she passed away about six months before we opened our doors. Mm. Um, But there were a number of people, community members and leaders that came together and helped create this concept for a cultural center where our kids could learn about various forms of the arts and learn about our history. Um, And those people came together and pulled together and made it happen. This is the cultural center is a community center that was built by the community. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is a really good thing, you know, that it's, we have something that we built, you yeah. know, and um, I understand that it, it had, it's had its challenges in the past, right? Absolutely. But things are kind of being like, uh-oh, here we go, this and that, we got to get the funding to make things happen again and keep it on the straight and narrow, right? Absolutely. And uh, you overcame some of those obstacles, right? We did. The um, founders were um, brilliant in their commitment to creating the Renaissance Hall, which we rent for festivals and concerts, birthday parties, wedding receptions, you name it. We've probably done it in that space, but it allows us to generate our operating income. And that's what's helped us to keep the doors open because there have been many times when, you know, there wasn't um, funding flowing into the center, Um, but having the Renaissance Hall and the the ability to generate our own income has definitely helped us to keep the doors open. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, as a people, we just know how to make things happen. Yeah, we do. And how to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stretch mm-hmm. a dollar, make a dollar out of 15 cents. We know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so been pretty good about uh, yeah, working with what working we had and making, yeah, and keeping the doors open. Yeah, I uh, happened to have an event up in there one time. Yes, you did. You know, with, I got all incorporated, all the musicians and they came up in there a while back. It's been a while back, but uh, it was uh, great using the cultural center for those type of events. I've been there for class reunions. I've been there for potentate balls and all kinds of different yeah. events taking place up in the cultural center. Well, what was so great about your event, um, and it was actually a fundraiser for the Greenwood Cultural Center, mm-hmm. but to see all of these artists come together and there seemed to be some type of brotherhood among all of these artists, young and old, and um, just willing to come together and work together, perform together. It was an awesome event. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. You know, some people still talk about it right to yeah. this day. And I was glad I was able to kind of put that together. And I didn't even live in Tulsa at that <laughs> time. You know, I lived in Houston, you know, and yeah. I did everything by phone. And uh, me and Francis got together. And we talked and communicated. I talked to all the musicians long distance and kind of gave out a few assignments. And we were able to pull that off. I mean, it really was uh, 
and we had a dinner and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was just great. It was great. I would like to maybe do that again one day. Who knows? You had a great turnout. Yeah, good turnout of the community and yeah. people, and it, it, was, it was long. You know <laughs> what I mean? It was long, but we made it do what it do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's been so many different uh, artists and uh, people who have so many great events inside that building like that. You know, so tell us a little bit about the Mabel Little Center because we people know the name, but they don't actually know the history behind that house right there. Yeah, not enough is known um, about the Mabel Little Heritage House, which is also known as the Sam and Lucy Mac House. And so we have um, over the summer made it more available for people to tour and to learn more about the house. The the home belonged to uh, Sam and Lucy Mackey. Um, They were um, survivors of the uh, Tulsa Race Massacre. Mm -hmm. Their original home, which was Grand itself, was located uh, three blocks um, north of the current location. Mm -hmm. And their home was destroyed during the massacre. And like many other African Americans, they decided that they wanted to stay in the Greenwood District and they wanted to rebuild. Mr. Mackey didn't want to just rebuild his uh, wife a house. He wanted her to have a home as nice as the home that she worked in um, for white employers. And so he hired an architect who won $1,000 for the design of the home. It was considered one of the most modern homes in the area. It was one of the first homes where you could stand at the bottom of the stairs and cut the lights on upstairs. And that was a really big deal. Yeah, back in that time. Probably. Back in that time, that was a big deal. And mm-hmm. so um, it's a three-bedroom, two-story, two-bathroom uh, oh, home. That was huge back then, wasn't it? That was huge. And so, you know, at one time as Urban Renewal is coming through and um, a lot of those um, buildings had been marked for demolition, the community came together and fought to save that home um, because it's a symbol. It shows you how some African-Americans were able to live during that time period, which is contrary to what many of us what were led to believe, which is that most black people were poor and uneducated, you know, six kids in a one bedroom shack. And that simply wasn't the case. There were many wealthy um, African-Americans in the Greenwood district. And so the community fought, um, saved that home. We um, moved it from its uh, former location to where it sits now, um, section by section and put it back together, which is why it cannot be listed on the National Register of Historical Places. Because it's been moved? Because it's been moved, and the foundation itself is not original. Um, and then community members like Josie Van and Marcine Mackey um, came they together. Put, they couldn't put that on the registry. That's what they told us. I think that's a, uh, a crack or crock of stuff, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just don't, you know. It's That's just me now. Yeah. Me feeling it. Well, yeah. You know. But um, community members came together and worked to renovate the home and donate um, furnishings to refurbish the home. Um, and now it sits as a symbol of um, black excellence, um, black prosperity, but also their courage and resilience. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing. Now, Greenwood District down there. There's been rumors about them removing that freeway. Have you mm-hmm. heard about that? Yeah. Yeah. So what is that? Is that just rumors or is that talk or is that something that, that may take place? No, I think that is something that is actually going to happen. You know, when um, President Biden visited the Greenwood Cultural Center on June 1st, 
during our um, 100 year commemoration of the massacre, he actually mentioned that during his visit. And we know that that has taken place not only in the Greenwood district, but across uh, this nation, across the nation. Mm -hmm. And so he did mention that um, there are plans to remove um, not only that expressway, um, but to do the same thing in other um, districts throughout the country. Mm -hmm. So even before his visit, I had heard that there was some um, conversation, that there were talks being held about removing um, that through so from the Greenwood District. if they were to do that, I'm trying to figure out how, how would they run it? You know, where would it go? That's the, qu the question. That is Someone definitely the question. said they were going to put a Greenwood exit. You know, mm -hmm. I heard about that, the way you can just exit on Greenwood right there. Yeah. You know, but I'm just trying to figure out how they would continue on that freeway. Yeah. You know? And I believe wholeheartedly that at some point they will, hopefully sooner than later. I do too. They will um, have a conversation in the community and let the community know what's going on and what their plans are um, and get some feedback. <clears throat> That's what happens all the time. They... A lot of times the city never comes to the community mm -hmm. to let us know what they're about to do in our community. Yeah. They just go ahead and do it, you know, without consent. And they build stuff, they do this and they do that, and uh, it's not right and it's not fair. Absolutely. You know, without consulting with your community and your neighbors and people there. That's right. Know. It's just like this latest issue about the bike lanes, you know. Now I heard they're going to remove them. Yes. You know, I read after that spending taxpayers' dollars to put that down there, waste of money, you know, and time. Waste of money and time and not needed. Mm -hmm. um, definitely not on not in that our, street. In, in our community. No. We don't ride enough bikes. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. We don't ride enough bicycles. No, and not, a lot, not enough people you know, respected those lanes. People are driving as if it's still two lanes, exactly. so it's a hazard. Um, so I'm glad to hear that they are listening to um, the community and to um, uh, Council, uh, the, Councilwoman Vanessa Hall Harper yeah, uh -huh. and that they are rectifying the situation. That's good. That's good. You know, we can come together. When we come together, we can do some stuff, but sometimes it's hard to get us together yeah. to do things, you know, um, uh, in our communities. You know, and I'm always, I worked for the city at one time. Did you? Yeah, yeah, when I first got back here, I was a code enforcement officer. Okay. And what ended up happening was um, I was inspecting our community. They put, us, put me in North Tulsa, mm -hmm. and I'm saying to myself, wow, you got me out here charging up our people in the community, but the city's not even taking care of their property. Wow. You know, they're, they're uh, alleyways and stuff like that. They weren't cleaning that up. So... You know, well, that's, yeah. another, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but Greenwood is, uh, uh, a lot of people were kind of shocked when he came here just to see that little strip. Yeah. That little small section. They were, I guess they were expecting a long, a big, you know, deal. And, um, you know, OSU Tulsa came down there and bought up all that property. And because um, Greenwood went all the way down to Pine Street, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, you would never know that unless you knew the history. Yeah. You know, I was fortunate enough to catch the very end of Greenwood, you know, back in the day, uh, Rick's Theater down there. And, you, you remember know, that? Oh, I used to go there, you know, and King Park, Bill's Barbecue, all of that was down off in there. King, you know, 
back when I was coming on in uh, Emerson. And all when would that have been? Ah, uh, that had to be late 60s. Okay. You know, somewhere up in the late 60s, you know, early 70s, you know, 60s, 70s. And uh, we go down there and eat candy and hot dogs and all that. They say, don't go deep, Greenwood. <laughs> <laughs> Go down there toward Greenwood and Archer. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people don't know things were happening down that way. Yeah. You know, they see it now in a different light. Mm-hmm. But the true history is the true history. Yeah. You know, so uh, I'm not going to scare y'all. So, you know, <laughs> it's all good in the neighborhood. But, uh, uh, Michelle, you um been down there for how many years now at the Cultural Center? 25. This 25 years. years. You've yeah. seen a lot of stuff. And yes, still going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and still going. And it's not it's nothing that I ever thought that I would do. Um How did I've, you come there? What happened? Actually I came in nineteen um late nineteen ninety five to take a tour. And Carmen Petty was there mm-hmm. at that time and she was giving um, She was working there at the She was center? working she okay. was actually working for the North Tulsa Heritage Foundation, which okay. was operating out of the um, Sam and Lucy Mackey house. Um, early 96, I came there for a tour. It was the first time that I had ever learned about the history in its entirety. And I can't tell you how disappointed and angry and hurt I was when I learned about the history. Just absolutely had didn't know that something like that, that a massacre place. had taken place in mm-hmm. our community mm-hmm. and that we weren't learning about it in our history classes, that it wasn't mentioned in textbooks. Um, so it was it was shocking to me. When I first arrived, um, Don Ross was active. He was still serving. So was um, Senator Maxine Horner. And Eddie Faye Gates was um, giving tours. That's when the Tulsa Race um, Riot Commission, as it was called then, was formed. And she had just began... Um, collecting the oral histories of many of the survivors. Um, I was only 25 years old, so I was young, and I don't think I truly appreciated the historical significance of that time period. And I wish now that I had really paid more attention um, to everything that was taking place, that I had um, documented more of that history. But I still appreciate being able to... um, play a small role in what was taking place uh, in telling this history and telling this story, but seeing some of those people and how passionate they were about um, telling the story, bringing national awareness to it. Um, and even then um, they were talking about reparations. Even back in those that's 25 years ago. Yeah. Talking about it. So um, I believe that it's old Reparations Absolutely. Definitely old because no one was ever charged with a crime. Yeah. You know, and the city, they denied it. They hid it. They stumped it up under a rug. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it's kind of like that pimple has burst. Everybody knows about it. Mass graves are taking place. And it's just those survivors that are still here, they need reparations first. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe, you know, first and then the descendants and people the city need to be held responsible. Yeah. Now, I, I'm under the impression that uh, some of them may feel like, yeah, reparations in the form of just a museum or just something structurally built or something like that. But I think it should be monetary. 
I think, Absolutely. I think money needs to go to these families and to these people, you know, so they can invest in what they feel like they need to invest in. As far, because That's those, right. li- those lives are gone. That's you right. cannot replace the lives. Absolutely. And a museum, um, a workshop, um, a park does not replace the generational wealth that was stolen from the descendants uh, of those victims and those survivors. Right. So because just, they profited from it. That's yeah. So when we have a conversation now, and people all often ask about re- reconciliation, or they want to have a discussion about reconciliation, but there can be no true reconciliation in the city of Tulsa until we address reparations. That's we true. need to have a conversation about it. We need to talk about how we can make it happen because they can do whatever they want to do. If they want to make this happen, they can find a way to make it happen. Oh, they got the money to do it. It's hidden. It's somewhere, you know, and they could do it and they could start it. They can make funds. They could uh, all do kind of, all kinds of stuff to make it happen. Yeah. You know, and they need, they should do that. Yeah. You know, they, they should do that and stop just sitting on finances. Well, and stop saying that, you want to promote healing and you want us to be one Tulsa and you want us to come together. um, But you don't want to heal. You don't want that's You don't really want to heal. If you don't even want to have a conversation about reparations, Mm -hmm. you don't truly want to heal. You want us to simply move forward and say that we've forgiven and and we're ready to uh, let it go and look towards the future. Um, But we can't do that. We simply cannot do that. You know, and what I see is, other races are able to get those reparations. Uh, the Native Americans here got casinos and all kind of funding and programs and stuff like that. Hispanics got things going on in their culture right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But we as uh, African Americans, we still suffer. We're still traumatized yeah. from that massacre. Absolutely. You know, we're traumatized, and, and uh, the city don't want to really acknowledge that, you know. No, this community suffers absolutely from historical trauma, Mm -hmm. and that's something that has not been addressed enough. We don't truly understand what that means and how um, that plays out in our lives, what trauma we're passing on to our children and grandchildren, and what trauma have we inherited. So we have to have a conversation about historical trauma and how we address that, how we heal from that, um, what can we learn from that. There's a lot of work to be done in historical in, in the areas of historical um, trauma. And, you know, what's interesting is that someone visited, a small group visited the Greenwood Cultural Center recently, and they had asked for a guided tour. And they said, well, we just want to know how, you know, you're giving tours now, how your tours have been impacted by um, the new mandate by um I guess the governor's office in relation to the critical race theory conversation. How do you tell the story now? And I said, well, I tell the story the way I've always told the story. I will tell the story the way that I have always told the story. We are not um, a public school. Um, We're not under the um, authority of the State Department of Education or the public school system. So they may be influenced in the classroom as to how they teach this history. However, I'm not. And so when you come to the Greenville Cultural Center, 
you are going to get the history and the truth and the truth as it has been told to us by our survivors. Um, so that's what it uh, is. Michelle, being down there at the Greenwood Cultural Center, have you ever have you guys experienced any opposition from anyone coming up in there? Uh, you know, like just really, uh, you guys shouldn't be doing this. Oh, guys, let me tell you, you over guys the years, shouldn't be. You know, that was in the past, and why are you still talking about this? And uh, it wasn't it wasn't me, you know, who did it. You know, from day one. Eddie Faye Gates talks about it in one of her doc, one of the documentaries that she was featured in, how she had received um, hate letters and something just short of a death threat. And that has happened continuously over the years. Now, we don't talk about it um, a whole lot because many people that call, um, they call, leave a message. They don't leave their name or a phone a number. Message. Yes. And they say exactly that. Why are you still talking about this? We don't need to talk about this. Um, many people refuse to believe that this actually happened. Oh, really? They say that we're exaggerating. They don't believe the news articles or the photographs that are on display. Um, when um, uh, Trump wanted to visit the Greenwood um, District mm-hmm. during the Juneteenth weekend, uh-huh. there were white people that called um, that were angry that we wouldn't allow Trump to visit. And then after President Biden visited the Greenwood Cultural Center, we had people call viewing hate, um, saying that if we let Biden visit, we should have let Trump visit. So we ongoing receive um, um, threats and well, just yeah, just ne- well, negative, negative comments. comments yeah. Negative comments um, saying that from people that do not want to hear about this history, do not want to acknowledge it. Um, but even more frustrating and more hurtful is the groups that come to the Greenwood Cultural Center for a tour. And while you're telling the story and you're speaking about the massacre that took place and the trauma that our people endured, you'll see some people that are rolling their eyes. Really? Rolling their eyes. Um, You're You're talking primarily white people rolling their eyes like, oh, what is she talking about? Totally disrespectful. Um, there's been a number of times when, um, with some younger groups, um, when I've, I've had to address them in such a way that I don't think they're used to being addressed, to say that this is our history. And they're laughing at it or something? They're, or? Well, they're they're doing what I think they're used accustomed to doing in the classroom, which is not really paying attention. I'm speaking. Clowning. They're giggling and clowning. And, and so... Um, I'm not going to allow that while I'm telling our our history. You will respect this space. You Mm -hmm. will respect me and the history that I'm sharing with you. And so once you you say that and you put that out there, all of a sudden their eyes get big. It's like they're not used to even being addressed addressed in that manner. Um, But I'm insistent that you be respectful in this space. As long as which you're they here should with be. me, they, they should be. Which they should be. Almost oh, definitely. Yeah. They should be like that because uh, it's historical. It's the story. You know, it tells the story. So when you come into somebody's house, you don't disrespect them in their own home. Right. You know, I, I believe that for sure. You know, and sometimes young people have a tendency, not all, but some of them haven't been taught how to respect, you know, certain 
places and things uh, and the history. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I can imagine kids coming in, someone to just play around and fool around and not paying no attention and, you know. And, and I understand it's a field trip. It's an mm-hmm. opportunity to get out of the classroom mm-hmm. and they're with their buddies. Right. But at the same time, we expect the same respect that you give when you go to any of these other historical institutions mm-hmm. and organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine what you go through when you're doing some of those tours. And I know some of those tours are great, you know, and people are asking good questions and uplifting questions and what can we do or, you know, how do we move Absolutely. forward? Absolutely. And things like that as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. A lot of groups that have been here throughout the summer, we're still – amazed that there are so many people that are just now learning about this history. Mm -hmm. This is new to them. So they're here um, in the Greenwood district in Tulsa to learn more about Mm it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're just hungry Mm -hmm. for knowledge and Mm -hmm. for information. They want to buy every book. They want the t-shirts. They want everything, the documentaries. Mm -hmm. They want to know where they can find it online. Exactly. Where can they learn more about it? Mm -hmm. Speaking of documentaries, you did a bunch of doc documentaries. I did some, and we were on some of them together. Uh, have you gotten phone calls or response from people from other places? I I have, and mostly from like my family members, my brothers and sisters, okay, family um, members, huh? In Arizona, but there have been people to reach out, and and especially when people come to visit the Greenwood District, they come, recognize me and say, "You did a great job on right, the documentary." Right, right. And it's hard for me to watch myself. So some of them I have not seen um, in its mm-hmm. entirety. I'll watch some of the other people that are being interviewed. Yeah, I've seen the same here. <laughs> I'm right with you on that. You know. Yeah, but um, it, those documentaries are so important because yeah. they are reaching people around the world. You know, for me, being a, having a radio station, I've gotten an abundance of phone calls from other radio stations and that is awesome. Yeah, people in and I've interviewed and uh, I've, I've been interviewing, you know, on other radio stations in other cities talking about the massacre. I did one in a radio station in Harlem, New York. I did with San Bernardino, Alabama. You know, just various different places outside of Tulsa. Yeah. And uh, during the uh, centennial, you know. Jesse Jackson came in here, and I interviewed him. I and saw the picture. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, and Carlton Pearson, and they were all in here. And uh, it's really opened up a different window for us Yeah. here at KBOB 89.9, you know, and not, not just for me, but for us, you know, over here. And I, when I was looking at some of the documentaries, I was just listening to you. And you were telling, girl, you were telling that story, and you were telling it correct. And I'm saying... Uh, Michelle is sharp, you know, she's a sharp lady and she knows that history and she's talking about it. So people need to listen, you know, as we tell these stories. And uh, uh, because when the centennial was going on, thousands of people were here, right? Mm -hmm. All these dignitary people and upscale folks were here. And I was always saying, well, they're going to be leaving. Yeah. I said, when the party's over, we are still here. That's right. You know, when everything and everybody got on the planes and flew away and checked out the hotels mm-hmm. and stuff, we are still here dealing with this trauma. Yeah. You know, that goes on. It felt good for a little bit. You know, when the president left, he left, you know. <laughs> and that's that's the way that is. And 
I was hoping that there'd be some type of a economic development of people coming here and seeing the value of investing here with finances and things like that. That was what I was hoping yeah. before it even happened. Somebody gonna they're gonna buy up this land and they're gonna come back here and move. Now we've had some people starting to move back move to Tulsa. Yeah. You know? Uh so uh they starting to move to Tulsa, but it's a slow process. Yeah. And uh I was hoping for some some new minds and some people from other cities coming here with a whole lot of knowledge and stuff that we don't have yeah. here in Tulsa. And uh, to help us grow our brand in our community, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's been a slow process. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, new energy, new ideas. New, new idea. So we get, great. So I'd like to say, oh, okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. We'll do that. You know, and uh, uh, that's one reason I uh, open up the station because of communication mm-hmm. like we're doing right now. There's someone out there listening to us. You know, and they're getting some information that they've never heard of before. So when you come in here and we get together and we have a conversation about it, it's 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 a good conversation. You know, we can keep spreading spreading it. For me, yeah. this radio station for me is like a classroom for me. Yeah, I learn so much from so many people. I can see you that know, a whole lot of people come in and tell me their stories, and I like okay, I learn about this, I learn about that. So let's talk about uh, you guys are getting ready to uh, renovate the cultural center, huh? What are you getting ready to do? We are. So um, the city of Tulsa's Vision Tulsa um, project, I believe it was called, there's $5.3 million allocated for the renovation of the Greenwood Cultural Center. And so we've um, chosen an um, architecture architectural firm, um, I believe it's called J to J and it's a black owned firm. And we haven't yet began having conversations about what we'd like to um, see the Greenwood cultural center become, how we'd like to develop that space. Um, but we will have community forums um, where we can hear from the community. What would like, what would they like to see mm-hmm. um, at the Greenwood cultural center? I, for one, am hoping for actual classroom space um, so that when our children are having programs such as our summer arts um, young entrepreneurship program that they have a designated space and that we're not competing with the rental space Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's my um, hope Mm -hmm. Um, but we are um, just now in the beginning stages of having those conversations Mm -hmm. about what can we possibly do Mm -hmm. have there been any talk about expansion yeah adding on to it making it larger than what it is yes adding a new space adding additional spaces you know there's a little bit of land um next to the sam and lucy mackie house mm-hmm. where we could possibly um build at where we could build mm-hmm. and that's where i'm hoping that uh that we have space to build classrooms and we have a number of high school groups and college uh classes that are holding their classes at the Greenwood Cultural Center, um, I worked with Dr. Lisa Byers um, and uh, Dr. Renee from the University of Oklahoma over the summer. And for four weeks, we held a college course at the Greenwood Cultural Center. And the students um, met um, virtually for a couple of those days, but then they were on site um, in the Greenwood District learning about this history and discussing issues like historical trauma. So it'd be great to have a designated space where we can have 
um, those discussions and have actual um, classes. Oh, which would be, be great. Yeah. It would be fantastic. We know the Renaissance Hall needs to be renovated mm-hmm. and updated. Oh, it's been used. <laughs> <laughs> it's been used it's over, been over used, the years. lady. You yeah. Know, it's been used. And uh, uh, you keep using it, you know, so you need a renovation from time to time. It's kind of like you got to upgrade your house. Yeah. You know, after a while, it's time. It's going to need some paint. It's going to need some fluorine and all yeah. of that kind of stuff right there. A new look, you know. which uh, Something new and fresh and we're excited, and there's, the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking to redesign the um, exhibits that are there that have been pretty much the same since we opened our doors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're excited to see uh, where we can um, mm-hmm. go and what we can do with what we have to work with. Okay. There, you guys have had some surveys down there as well, right? Mm-hmm. What, tell us a little bit about that. Well, a couple of months ago, um, we had a group of interns from the University of Tulsa that um, published a survey. Um, They distributed mostly through social media and through our um, email database, but they asked those very questions from the community. Um, What would they like to see take place? What would they like us to focus on? What type of programs would they like us to offer? What type of events? would they like to see take place at the Greenwood Cultural Center? So we have that base information um, to consider, but we'll also be doing more of those um, surveys and community forums in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. So um, we talked about the history of the Cultural Center, and uh, what, what's this black and gold deal? What is that? Black yeah, gold. Black so gold. the black the Black Gold Speaker Series is a collaboration um, with the between the Greenwood Cultural Center and 36 Degrees North. And there is a wonderful um, entrepreneur at 36 Degrees North. Her name is Tara Payne. We serve um, together on Leadership Tulsa's, um, in the Leadership Tulsa's Thrive program. We were both members of that uh, program recently. And they work to help create this series of um, speakers every Thursday during the month of June, we had a black entrepreneur to come and speak. Um, And it was available online. We're going to resume that in August. I believe it's August the 12th. Um, But some of the people that were there were um, Latoya Rose and Guy Troop. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting and inspiring to hear them talk about their story um, and how they made it to where they are now, and what advice would they give to aspiring entrepreneurs. It's a free event. Um, it takes place um, on-site at 36 Degrees North, or you can register and attend virtually. Mm-hmm. But it is so interesting and inspiring to see and hear from Black entrepreneurs, and we're hoping that people will continue to support. The um, um, support has been um, great. The feedback has been wonderful, and so we're hoping that people continue to support that um, initiative, and they can find out more information about the Black Gold Speaker Series on the um, website, 36 Degrees North's website, or um, on our website or our Facebook page. We'll be updating new information next week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Biden visit. Let's go back to Biden. Because uh, he came there, and uh, was it the second? The first. The first. He was there on June the 1st, and I was there 
I went in, I got in, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I got in and, uh, you know, it was a challenge, in the, you know, me getting in there. But yeah. me, me and my son went, got in there and all of these dignitaries were in there. I saw uh, Reverend Barber. Uh, I saw uh, Dellum and I saw Sheila Jackson Lee and Jesse Jackson and you name who's who you know, was off in there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we were waiting around. Secret Service was everywhere. Uh, the media was everywhere off in there. And Biden came up and spoke. So what did you think of his speech So when he came up there to talk? Yeah, so I thought he was well prepared. I think as a president, he gave the speech that that we he knew that he, that we wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're waiting to see what actually takes place, um, what type of initiatives and, and changes are going to take place to actually put some of those ideas um, into place. But it was significant for him as a sitting United States president to visit the Greenwood District um, on the 100-year commemoration of the massacre and to during our tour, referred to it as a massacre. Um, So I was honored to be able to give him a brief tour of the Greenwood Cultural Center, but he was very familiar with the information. He asked some questions, um, but he He did. He knew about it. He he knew about it. He was definitely um, well-prepped, but he referred to this as a massacre. And I think that that was significant. That's a debate that we... Do you have had? Yeah. Do you think he's going to do anything about it? I mean, is it just talk? Because sometimes a pair of lips will say anything, you know. So, uh, you know, do you think he's going to actually, as the president of the United States, do anything about the 1921 massacre? Do you think you think that's going to happen? Is oh, that just a, a question mark about the massacre specifically? I, I wish put, I was more hopeful, but I'm. I don't think that he is going to um, put do, pressure for anybody the city of Tulsa. In terms of reparations? Yeah, reparations. I, I don't, don't see I don't him think, doing that. I don't see him Honestly, doing that Honestly, I don't see him doing that. Now, some of the other um, ideas that he had, I think he will do what he has the power to do. What ideas do you think that is? When he talked about economic development, when he talked about um, supporting um, black communities and mm-hmm. I think he t- he touched briefly on he was basically uh, talking in general right across this nation right but nothing was nothing specific for nothing specific to the Greenwood district to the Greenwood district um, right. or the city of Tulsa exactly. no exactly that's what I heard and that's what I took from it yeah you know and um we need the power of someone to really stir stir up the pot in our community, really stir it up. I don't know who that is and uh, who it could be. I know that uh, those documentaries spread the word mm-hmm. throughout the world. And, uh, you know, LeBron James documentary and the Russell West book and MSNBC and NBC, all of those, yeah. all of those uh, media groups spread the word. Cause a lot of people didn't even, never heard of that. Until that time, the 31st, Absolutely. when those were coming out. And I had some classmates call me, and I hadn't talked to them. They were 
in California and different places, they were calling me, man, I saw you on TV. And I ain't talked to them in 35 years. Wow. You know, and I'm like, wow, man. This is... So it was powerful to uh, be able to reconnect with a lot of people. And here at the radio station, I've been getting calls from white males calling, and they're calling from little country towns mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they don't always understand uh, the history and stuff. And some of them say, I can't believe my forefathers and did that to you you guys, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, and they start talking and talking like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know anything about this. You know what I mean? And I went to school with black people and we all got along. You know, that's what they be saying. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I get that. It's a radio station. I expect to get some of those type of phone calls coming in there. KBOB 89.9. So uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, you know. And uh, we got work to do. Yeah, absolutely. We got a whole lot of work to do. And um, I'm just going to be hopeful and prayerful that we as a community can teach our young. It's all Mm -hmm. about them babies because they are our future. And the massacre needs to be, they need to know about it. Oh, well, we didn't, they're too little to hear about that. No, they need to hear about that massacre, mm-hmm. you know, so they can have some identity. Because how can you go forward if you don't know where you come from? Absolutely. And we are standing on the shoulders of those who came before us. I get so sick and tired of hearing somebody uh, that's an African-American say, well, I went to school and got an education, and I saw and so and so and so and they can do the same thing. Well, if it wasn't for those who came before you, you wouldn't have been able to take your, yourself to school. Right. And get that ed- education. Right. You know, for integration and civil rights, people died. Right. For you to be able to obtain that, you know, so uh, they got to understand that, you know, because it's not all about yourself, you know, because you didn't do it all by yourself. No. And so those are some things we talk about here on uh, the radio station and, uh we are just so glad to have you. And another thing, before we leave, you got married. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got married on us and we didn't even I got know. Married. You got married, lady. Yes. You know, I looked up and I said, wait a minute. Now, she got a new uh, <laughs> last name. Now, I didn't know this. Burdick's name is Burdick's, right? Burdick's, yes. Burdick's. And I didn't know uh, that you had gotten married. A lot of people didn't know that as well, huh? A lot of people didn't know it. And uh-huh. we, um, you know, we've known each other forever. I actually met him the first day of high school. Oh, I really? loved him forever. And um, he's always been um, what I consider my best friend. Mm-hmm. Always been a supporter um, and been an encouragement. And so... We uh, we had planned a wedding in July. We were looking forward to planning a more formal wedding in July. But with everything that was taking place and with COVID and yeah, um, we thought, what are we doing? Why don't we just wait? Why don't we just get married? Get married. Why don't we get married? Right. And so April um, the fifteenth, tax day, so he'll never forget <laughs> that day. <laughs> uh. um, we we got married in our backyard. We just bought a new house not far from here. Okay. We're neighbors. Okay, okay. And okay. so we um invited our um immediate family and we we got married. Um the Reverend P. G. 
um, Goodo, who if you you are ever in need of a counselor, please hit up Mr. PG. You can find him on Facebook. He did some premarital counseling for us. He is wonderful. Um, uh-huh. But he came over and officiated the wedding. And so we did it. And we were actually glad that we just went ahead and did it. Um, and so, yeah, now we're we're officially married. Officially married, huh? And I could not be happier. Oh, great, great, great. Yeah. Well, thank you, Michelle, for taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you. Coming on this Bobby Eaton show where we tell our stories our way. And uh, I want to just, hey, congratulations, <laughs> lady. You thank know. you. Congratulations. All right. Uh, you're going to take off, right? Yes. <laughs> you're going to take off into the sunset. I'm going home to take care of You're going home husband. take care of the hubby. <laughs> You know, and things like that, that, which is a good thing right there. Yes, it is. All right. Okay. Take care. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. You're on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories our way. KBOB899.com is the website. And uh, that was Michelle Brown Burdick. You know, and Burdick. 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 I got to get that right. Burdick. And uh, from Greenwood Cultural Center, you guys go down there, pay a visit, go see her and things like that. Okay, we're going to take off. I'm uh, glad that uh, you were able to tune in and listen to this show. And uh, until the next time, have a good one and stay black, okay?